0: And welcome to a very, very special episode of EduMatch. So super excited to be here. Super excited to be with our fantastic panelists. We have um, our EduMatch authors. Some of them you may already know. Some of them may be new faces to you. But um, but we have like most of the crew here. So a uh, few people could not join us. So just wanted to give a huge shout out to everybody, um, everybody who we will get next time. So y'all know who you are. Um, but we're going to kick things off with some introductions. So we're going to start going from my right to left because that'll look left to write for, <laughs> for the viewers. So, um, so if you could please introduce yourself and tell us briefly what your book or project is about. So Susan, if you could please go first.
1: Hi, I'm Susan Brown, um, L Susan Brown, but we won't go to the L part. Um, I, uh, I work in Prince George's County public schools and am I supposed to answer all these questions or just say, Hey,
0: no, just say, Hey, hey <laughs> tell hey, us good. what your,
1: tell us what your project's about. Oh, uh, maker spaces. Oh my goodness. Maker mindset
0: and yeah. Maker mindset in schools. We Well, welcome back. So glad to have you here, Susan. Thank All you. right, great. So next
2: up we have Mandy. My name's Mandy Freilich. I am the author of uh, the fire within lessons from Defeat that have ignited a passion for learning, which is about teacher mental health and secondary traumatic stress.
0: Sweet. And you also have something else in the works,
2: right? Oh, okay, yeah. Almost forgot. <laughs> we do have another book coming out later this year um, that is loosely named The Divergent Teacher, which is based on the hierarchy of needs for innovation and in divergent teaching, um, organizational structure and graphic that I designed.
0: All right. Fantastic. So glad to have you back, Mandy. Thanks. So next up, we have Dean. So hey, Dean.
3: Hey, everybody. Um, My name is Dean, I am the author of Journey to the Why and You*, which really is a a collection of uh, stories and anecdotes about uh, the journey of an educator or really anybody and uh, those obstacles that you will face and how hopefully through those uh, obstacles it will uh, help you to find your why. So uh, and definitely that why is so important and uh, I've decided to also be uh, in the process of working on the next. Thing too. So that is coming.
0: <laughs> Super excited for that. That is awesome. So thank you so much, Dean. And I think we have Alyssa
4: back. So, Alyssa, if you could please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your book. So, my name is Alyssa Frazier. I am writing a children's book, and it's called Daddy's Favorites. And it's about a young girl who is um, in a family and kind of lost. Because she has brothers who have autism. and so it's really about how autism affects families in lots of different ways. And um, I'm you know, we're finishing it up. So I, so hopefully you know we'll be done pretty soon.
0: Absolutely. So I'm super excited, super excited to get that, that great work out there. So thanks so much for joining us.
5: All right, next up we have Brian. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Brian Costello, um, the author of *The Teacher's Journey*, uh, which is a book about professional growth uh, throughout your career, and how the uh, the cycle of professional growth mirrors over uh, the hero's journey, um, and how we can all use those those concepts and ideas to develop personally, professionally, find balance, uh, and work on mentor relationships. Sweet, sweet. Fantastic. And you're also
0: working on another project, correct? Uh,
5: sure. Yeah, I absolutely am. Uh, I'm working on a, a, uh, a mentoring handbook. Uh, so something a little bit more practical use to develop skills for both identifying and becoming a mentor um, and, and what that really means in education. Uh, and I came out with this earlier this year. Yeah!
0: <laughs> the Brian Greatest Hits so Collection.
5: So you'll see me doing a whole lot of I'm doing a little multitasking tonight, but uh, he's, he's a good audience member. Oh, there he is. He's saying hello.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, little Brian. <laughs> All right, great. And last and certainly not least, we have Brent. Hey,
6: everybody. Uh, I am Brent Coley. I'm an elementary principal in Southern California, starting my 23rd year. And the book that I'm finishing up right now is called Stories of Edu-Influence. 11 powers to change student lives. And essentially it's a collection of stories. Um, From my experience over 23 years, you hear people say, oh, you should write a book about your experiences. That's what I'm doing basically, but it's the stories and the lessons learned, highlighting the ways that we have an edu influence and impact on the students and adults that we serve.
0: Sweet, so fantastic project and great stories in there. So awesomeness. All right. So we're going to go into our next question and and we're about to go back the other way. So Brent, get ready. Um, but the next question is what compelled you to pursue writing on your selected topic? And I'll buy you a couple more seconds. I want to say hello to people who are in the YouTube live chat. So hello to Rochelle. Hello to Peggy and hello to Carmela and to Marvia. Great to see all of you here. So Brent, what, what compelled you to pursue writing on your chosen topic?
6: Well, kind of like I just talked about a little bit ago that, again, I think everybody on this panel, if you've taught for any number of years, you've had somebody tell you that, oh, you should write a book. I'd never thought about writing a book, but I, I did have the opportunity to speak at a couple of conferences this past year on this topic, essentially sharing the stories and the message and the lessons learned behind that. And it was uh, the last time in January that I spoke, and somebody came up to me afterwards and really kind of shared with me the impact that just what I had shared in that little time had the impact that that had on him. It was basically about how we need to be sharing what we have. And he really said like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And if that's the point I'd been praying about, gosh, should I, should I try to write a book about this and him coming up to me and basically saying, this really meant a lot to me. I really needed to hear this. It was the confirmation that I needed, um, to say you know what if if I was able to impact this one teacher here how much more how many more people could could I edu influence if I actually put this into writing to get it out into more people's uh, hands so that's that's how the the writing came about
0: fantastic fantastic what a great story all right great Brian how about
5: for you Uh, so um one I mean I've always been a writer uh, so I had a couple of the books that I wrote, written um, before this one, um, you know, I, I wrote hundreds of blog posts. I love writing. I love putting the ideas in word. It helps me reflect on a lot of things. So I think that through the process, I think I learned a lot um, in reflection. But one of the things that I felt uh, as a new teacher, as a teacher coming into the profession was that I didn't have a lot of quality mentorship. Uh, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to have people help steer my growth um at least i had felt that way a lot and most of the people that i talked to had similar stories to mine where they they felt like they were a little bit rudderless in their development and their growth uh, and so um uh, i can't compete with that uh, <laughs> but um so those those commonalities i have with a lot of people who felt like they didn't have um quality mentors and and coaches to help them build as throughout the career uh, really spurred me to want to pursue the topic uh, and figure out what we do wrong in education and how we can make it better for mentoring and development. Um, One of the great things though, is as I I wrote the the book and those of you who've read it um, will know that I actually identified a handful of really valuable and important mentor relationships and and mentor experiences that that shaped and changed my career. Uh, So despite the fact that I felt very much isolated and alone. I did have a lot of really great experiences.
0: Okay. Well, that is
3: wonderful. Great. Dean, how about you? So kind of like Brian, I definitely started out blogging and I did not have any idea that I would eventually transform that into a book. Um, but at the same time, I, I think I spent a lot, a lot of my life, um, before teaching and as a teacher asking the question, why Um, and so the why as in why did I have to go through that or why did that that happen to me Uh, and also why am I doing what I'm doing Um, and I think that they do work together Um, the why of the obstacle tends to have a big part to do with the why of my existence and purpose and um, decisions and so it was born out of a conversation. As far as um, the book being a book, born out of a conversation like that could possibly happen. And I, I noticed, you know, there, there tends to be a theme in my writing sometimes. And um, being able to connect those dots was really um, eye-opening for me. And so, I think it started something that's going to likely continue uh, <laughs> moving forward. So um, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to be. Uh, at for the first time so
0: Sweet fantastic and it was a great question that came up by a peggy on um, YouTube live asking to see if there was like a list with uh with all of your books and yes edumatch.org Books and just kind of scroll through and you'll see you'll see everything there. So awesomeness great. So next up Alyssa, can you please tell us what is your inspiration for writing
4: your uh your book? so two of my boys have autism and they're in different places in the spectrum and it really was me looking at how am i responding to the needs of my of all my children because we have four and when you're a parent and you have a child with an exceptionality in any Anyway, and, and my sons um, not only had autism, one of them had multiple surgeries, and we just had a lot of medical things that were going on. And I realized that I was not meeting the needs of my all of my kiddos. And so sometimes as a parent, you think about your best intentions and kind of, are you doing the thing that you intend to do? So that was an inspiration. Um, but in writing the book, I really wanted children to be able to, um, children with special needs to be able to see themselves in books. But I wanted children who, um, were, did not, or are not categorized, right, as, as, um, a diverse learner or having special needs. I wanted them to be present as well, um, and to kind of hear their voice. And, um, especially in classrooms, I know that teachers, the best intention teachers, myself included, you can have 25 kids and then you can have that one kiddo who needs so much and um, you give and give and give and give and give to that kid because you want to pour into that kid. But there's so much going on um, we're 24 kiddos um, and their needs. And so just um, looking at it from a professional standpoint and looking at it from kind of a mommy standpoint, but just making sure that um, this book is writ- written in a kid's voice. And so making sure that um, kids' voices are present and heard. Yeah,
0: that's very important, very important. So um, so great perspective in that book. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. All right, Mandy, how about you? What was your inspiration?
2: Um, my inspiration for each of the projects was a little bit different. Uh, for The Fire Within, it was actually, because they're just two totally different topics. Um, <laughs> the Fire Within was actually that I had a conversation with somebody about uh, the mental health of teachers in general, and um, that I deal with my own depression and anxiety issues. And it was before the um, you know basketball players made it. Uh, publicly known that they had it as well, we're putting it out on Twitter. And so I really wanted to bring awareness to an issue that um, I think is more common than we like to believe. And because I feel like uh, when teachers disengage from the profession, um, which is happening more and more, you know, over 40% leave within the first five years, that doesn't count the teachers who stay because they can't leave for financial reasons or whatever it might be. Um, so I really do believe that one of those reasons that teachers might disengage is um, their mental health and how we we don't discuss it. And so um, that was the purpose of, of uh, why I wanted to write the first book. The second book um, was actually an idea that I've had for a long time that's been percolating and kind of um, coming together in my own blog as well. It's like the number one thing I tell people, if you wanna write a book, you start to blog. Um, because I had uh, developed this this structure and this graphic uh, that kind of took off and became popular and um, schools and I have a school district in Brazil that's using it, for example, to guide their their teachers' professional learning. and um, I wanted to make sure that people understood what the idea was behind the structure and, and the basis of the idea is supporting teachers. And so I'm a huge advocate of making sure teachers are are feeling supported. Um, And so I just wanted to make sure that if, if anybody actually implemented the graphic that they were doing it with uh, the right intentions and the right background as to the information for the hierarchy. So that's how that happened.
0: All right, very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much. Um, And Susan, how about you? What was your inspiration behind the Maker Project?
1: I think I had to go back to when I was nine, in elementary school, and people invited us to be involved, uh, our class to to be involved in 4-H. And I, I was, I became a 4-H'er, I stayed through college. Um, And what I learned was, um, that hands-on learning is an incredibly important part of, of growing up and actually being able to put into, um, into use to anything that you're learning uh, um, at school. I'm not saying that really well. I, I, um, so you're gonna have to read my chapter. <laughs> But we've got a wonderful crew of of authors who are coming at um, the idea of bringing the maker mindset and maker spaces into into our classrooms or libraries or somewhere in the school system, somewhere in our schools. Um, And um, I can't wait till we publish in uh, October.
0: Yeah, same here. So that's going to be launched with um, Global Maker Day on October 23rd. So, all right, fantastic. Edumagic. Edumagic. You are listening to
1: Edumagic. Edumagic.
5: It's
2: EduMagic. Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Samantha Fesich, and I'm the author of Magic.
4: EduMagic, a guide
2: for pre service teachers, is geared towards teachers in training to become educators of excellence during their college career. Now, all of the um,
4: letters in EduMagic stand for something E,
2: educate and engage, D, digital presence, U, unite your PLN, M, megapixels,
4: A, always be, G, get out i inconceivable and co-op gone virtual all these things come together to help create edgy magic i can't wait
2: to hear your response please share how you're learning and what great things you're doing in your classroom with hashtag edgy magic on your social media i look forward to hearing from you
4: now back to more learning on the edge of match podcast cool so
0: we're going to move on to our next question and we're coming back the other way so susan get ready and uh just uh wanted to answer peggy's question that she asked about uh when sam's book will be coming out and that will be wednesday august 29th so this wednesday yes so it's going to be it's going to be uh fast and furious (laughs) All right. So the next question is, if somebody wrote your biography, what kinds of things would they find in it? Ooh. Yeah. So what what kinds of things would people find in your biography, Susan?
1: Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 64 years old and there uh, is so much that, that I would have to go back and pick and choose. Um, But um, I I grew up in a wonderful family in a small town uh, uh, with mom and dad and both grandparents, or I'm sorry, all four grandparents, um, tons of cousins and absolutely loved it. And, and um, I think I spend a lot of time there maybe because I'm getting older. Um, uh, appreciating the, that and I think that that would be the most fun part to to write about um, I do have two sons or I this is going to sound weird but two and a half sons um, one I never really adopted but uh yeah I I should say that I have three kids and um always had animals I've got a cat laying right here on my uh yeah that's enough about me I don't know
0: what you would find out. I love teaching. I love the kids. Um and there you go. Very cool. And Carmela says hello. She's into YouTube Live. So hey Carmela, she called you her maker hero. So <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> All right. And Mandy, how about you? What would we find if somebody were to write a biography about you?
2: Um, well, I have four children of of my own, and the oldest is in college, and um, the rest are in high school and upper middle school. And um, but but most importantly, I have a dog named Briston, who I absolutely love like a child. Um, she's uh, very very naughty, but absolutely one of my favorite people in the world. So um, you would probably find that. Also, people ask me pretty often what my passions are and what my hobbies are. I, I guess I'm fortunate that my passions and my profession collide. And so uh, most of what I do is go to my kids' sports things and then come home and and work, which is really the fun things that I like to do. So um, other than that, I think I'm... I'm fairly boring, so <laughs> it's not too much. I pretty much spend time with my dog, and that's just about it. So,
0: <laughs> all right, very cool. Very cool. Alyssa, how about you?
4: So, hmm, if someone were to read a biography about me, they would find out that I have had a lot of seasons and I'm really adaptive. I am number seven out of eight children, and um, I've always been the person in the family that listened to everybody's every problem and kind of helped them figure out why they're thinking the way that they're thinking or what questions they didn't ask. And so um, not only am I like going through different seasons, but I also consider different people's point of views. And that's a great thing, but it's also a bad thing because um, I'm very empathetic. um, And so I think I take on a lot. Um, Besides that, I am an A, super, super A personality that has become, um, I have learned to allow myself the room to have error. And I think that's due to me having um, kiddos who have exceptionalities. And so I wanted to fix everything and I wanted everything to go a certain way. And it just like doesn't, it just doesn't. And so um, besides that, I love to cook and uh, I like to harmonize. So I I will not sing independently. Um, Dean, I'm shouting at you. I know you do this, right? But I can sneak in the back and and harmonize, and I'm really a closet introvert. That's a lot I'm giving you. That's a lot. Wow. Okay. Okay. I found out some things today
0: about the singing. Okay. (laughs) Might use that later. (laughs) That's a negative. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And speaking of singing, Dean, um, amazing, amazing singer. All right. So, how about you? What would What would we find out in your biography?
3: So first of all, you know, Sarah loves her karaoke, so she, whenever somebody says that, she's gonna be excited. Um, I, I will say too, Alyssa, I just wanted to say like, I, I feel you on that taking on too much. Definitely, that's me. Um, and I'm realizing more and more, hey, I can't I can't be doing all this stuff. But um, of course, Dean the Singer would definitely be in that biography. I just, it's, it's what I do, it's who I am. Dean um, <clears throat> the actor would be in that biography. Um, I missed the stage uh for so many reasons. Um Dean the Veteran, the Air Force Veteran will be in that that biography because uh honestly, those three things I mentioned already collectively are make who I am. And so I take all of that with me in that classroom on a daily basis. And I feel like it's able to help me uh to be able to reach all of my students. Um of course the writer that goes without saying. Um, and I, I, I would hope that somebody might say, the teacher who cared and brought out the best in his students, um, like that's, if, if they said nothing else and they said that, I would be totally thrilled. Um, and just, just because I'm five out of seven children and I definitely have that middle child syndrome going on, uh, almost like the, anyway, that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> but I think I think it has almost propelled me just be everything I can be, and um, you know, and so that's what that's what I hope to hear and see in my biography, <laughs> which I may actually write myself one day. Autobiography, all right,
0: I'm so here for that, Dean. Autobiography <laughs> that is awesome. So Peggy was asking for a poll of how many of the authors would describe themselves as type A. So, show of hands if if you happen to be type A. Okay, so we have three out. Of, well, I'm counting myself. So that makes three out of how many of us are here? Seven, three out of seven. So almost almost 50%, not quite. So. <laughs> Alright, very cool. Very cool. So Brian, what would we see in an autobiography, of, or in a biography or autobiography of you?
5: Huge sections of redacted text is what you'd see. <laughs> um, uh, now you'd see a uh, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I was a kid. Uh, I like to play soccer. I like to learn things and take things apart and fix stuff and all that kind of stuff. So um, I kind of became a teacher out of nowhere, uh, sort of roundabout. Um, but I've always loved teaching. I love, like, once I started doing it, it was for me. Um, I've become a teacher huge uh huge tech advocate for a number of different things especially um like i'm i'm, I'm basically I'm, I'm a nerd uh, i'm a huge nerd uh, when it comes to tech stuff and um you know how i can incorporate it in ways we can kind of pull it apart and find different ways to use it um you'd probably find uh you know this little guy who's climbing on me right now uh <laughs> You and my daughter, they have two kids. uh love animals. You know, my dogs are sleeping right across the room from me right now. Um, and uh, you'd find a, a writer. Uh, you know, I read, I've written two children's books, I have a third one that's like 50% complete um, children's chapter books. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that I do a lot just to help me center myself and focus. But, you know, uh, people ask for your, like, what do you do well i like to teach things and i like to do things i do all the things um you know and that's one of the those uh, those little those those sections those pieces of my life that i've tried to work on is to reduce doing all the things i could try to use do some of them well but uh yeah i'm definitely not type a but i've forced myself to adopt type a tendencies to get things done
0: so kind of like a type a chameleon well a, a non-type a but
5: Becoming type A chameleon. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and definitely a like you know this, but most people don't because when you see me if I get like out at conferences and stuff like that, you think I'm a super you think I'm super extrovert extroverted, but I am a, a major introvert. Like as soon as the conference is over, I'll go hide for a few hours and not talk to a soul. So, uh, but yeah, so definitely a major introvert as well.
0: I fail you on that. Maybe that'll be our next poll. <laughs> But before we do that, let's hear from Brent.
6: Well, I'll jump in and say, Brian, I'm right there with you. Introvert at conferences, yeah, but that, but I got to go plug in and recharge by being by myself. So I think one of the misconceptions of introverts is it means they don't like to be around people. I love to be around people, but we recharge by being by ourselves. Anyway, uh, in terms of my uh, biography. I've got two beautiful kids. I've got a daughter who's a senior in high school. My son is a an eighth grader in middle school, and uh, I've been married to my wife for twenty one years, my amazing wife, Jill. And um, i knew I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, but it wasn't a teacher. So I think you'd find that in my biography. I wanted to be a computer programmer. And when people ask the story, like, well, so why how'd you become why'd you become a teacher? The short answer is because I couldn't do calculus. Because back then I had to take four semesters of calculus just at the JC and I took the first one and I got a D and I took the second semester, I took it over and got a B and I went to the second semester and took it and got another D and said to myself, I don't have time to do all this twice and this is just at the junior college. So I'd always thought teaching would be something cool. Always like, oh, that would be so fun to teach, but I never really considered it until that moment. Best decision of my life, the most... um, weight lifted decision of my life when I decided to do that and I've never looked back. Um, and I think something else you'd find in there in, in my book, each chapter is a different, uh, divided into different powers, uh, like edu influences the whole, the main superpower, so to speak. And then we have different powers, power of belief, power of apology, power of relationships, power of example. And I would say probably power of sharing is what if somebody was writing about me, I love to share. Because I have been blessed with people sharing a lot with me in my career, so I'm such a believer and an advocate for um, paying that forward and giving it back. So you would definitely, you would definitely find something in there about uh, sharing, and that's chapter four in the book. So,
0: very cool, very cool. Yes, I love the sharing. Totally here for the sharing.
1: You are listening to EduMatch.
7: If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. It's either now or never to make your dreams come true. You better wake up and pay attention. Hey, everybody. It's Dean from Orlando, Florida, coming to you on Monday, April 2nd, 2018. I am very excited because today is the official release date of my first solo book titled The Why in You. Journey to the Why in You. I'm very excited that this is available on Amazon in Kindle versions and in paperback. There's your back cover right there. I am so excited because when I think about my journey as an educator it didn't start yesterday. It started even from an early age and so this book contains anecdotes stories about the why in me and so as you read it as you pick it up and i encourage you to do so i challenge you to consider the why in you the obstacles right that were not always positive they were not always easy the journey is never easy but it is worth it and there is something positive in every negative if if you can just see it i really do believe that there is something positive in every obstacle that if you could just see it, it will help you to continue going on that journey as an educator, as an administrator, as a teacher. Um, and so we have a job to do. And um, and so that journey is so important to be embraced. And thank you in advance for checking it out on Amazon. Again, it's the YNU. You can even type my name in on Amazon. It should pop it right up. You can also go to deanganey.com and find it there. Uh, you can click directly on the link and it'll take you to Amazon. Again, thanks in advance for checking it out, and have a great day, as well as identify the why in you.
4: Now back to more learning on the Edge of Match podcast.
0: All right, so we have a question um, on YouTube Live, so from Marvia, who is asking, if anyone wrote not about education before, how did you make the switch to lead into more writing about educational things? So I'll just uh, open that up to anyone who wants to jump in. Brian, go ahead.
5: um, Since I wrote um, the two children's books before I switched to education, um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, the writing process was very different. Um, so for the, the kids books, I had a, you know, I had a storyline more or less, uh, planned out and I went through and wrote the story from beginning to end. But with the, uh, with the teacher's journey, I had the outline created, but I just wrote the parts that I was almost like, almost like when you get ready to write a blog post and you'd say, oh, I want to write this today. Um, so today, I, today I'm going to write about mentoring tomorrow. I'm going to write about pre-service teachers. Uh, no, the next day I'm going to write about the first, uh, you know, my first mentor experience in my career. Um, so I would just take each section um, because writing a, a 6,000 word kids chapter book is totally different than writing 50,000 words um, in a book. And so you um, you have to break it into smaller parts and and really stay focused because, you know, this was one of those things where I felt really passionate about sharing the message uh, and sharing the, the ideas in the book. So I made it a point to try and stay really focused on, getting into that whole message and making sure I said the things I wanted to say, uh, really sticking to the 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 focus of the book as opposed to with the um, kids' books. If things got off track or things went in a different direction that I had planned, it didn't really matter. You no, know, uh, it didn't make a difference. But with this case, I had to have a focus because I wanted to no, I wanted to share a message
0: absolutely so great uh, thank you for that and also thank you to Peggy who's recommending to follow Katie Davis from the Institute of children's literature the uh, Institute of children's literature who has a regular podcast where she interviews authors and discusses the, pro- the process so it's called uh, writing for children and Peggy says that she loves the teachers journey as well so awesomeness all right fantastic so the next question that we have is um like what was what was the writing process like for you so what was the writing process like or what is the writing process like because uh many of you are still um in the process right now but um but yeah i guess um for this this one we'll just kind of popcorn we'll popcorn the last three
2: i think the writing process for me was totally different again for each book so the first book is uh has a lot of stories i also uh, written by different people, Dean being, Dean, Dean being one of the amazing contributors, and um, but also uh, collaborating with a psychologist. So uh, the process was very different because it was more like managing a project. I wrote, I think, uh, three or four of the chapters, I don't remember. And um, so I, I did do writing for it, but I didn't, I, I more managed it. So it was different in the way that that while i didn't do all the writing i um was waiting on like to get people stuff back and working with them on editing through uh so that my vision of of the theme of their stories still came through in their writing and um so that was different than the hierarchy book or the divergent teacher book just because now that one i'm completely writing on my own so um the Fire Within was an amazing way to get into writing because I still had to write, but I also had to manage the book, uh, which was honestly I can't I can't think of a better way to do the first book that that I did that got me ready for my second. So um, that's kind of how the writing process went for
5: me.
3: So chapters one through I believe it was six um, were were uh, expanded out of my blog posts. Um, My first six blog posts were the same titles and everything. I had the opportunity to expand on them and provide examples of past experiences or anecdotes that related to um, the topic matter for each one of those blogs. And then chapters 7 through 11 were organically written as a result of finding or capturing uh, the book in the title. Um, I can't remember exactly right now how that title came to be, but the ambiguity in the title allowed for me to take it from that point and finish the last uh, five chapters. Um, and so that it, it ended up looking like a journey. So framing things for me has been really positive. Like I'll frame the chapter with a title or something of that nature, and then I can sort of uh, plan it out from that point. But um, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the same for the next book. So, But it worked for uh, Journeys of the Y.
4: I I didn't tell you this, Sarah, but I'm I'm actually working on another one. Oh, I did tell you, ha ha ha. So um, I I I'm kind of in the boat of Brian, where um I'm writing chunks at a time, but um so that's good. I I'm on the right track. But as far as my children's book was concerned, um I I wrote the story and um just the storyline, and I wrote the middle of the story before I wrote the whole story. And um, then we, you and I, Sarah, talked about um, kind of how we wanted the reader to visualize the story and what we wanted them to capture and feel. So the pictures were connected with the text and what was going on in the story, but it really was what kind of like the lasting emotion that we wanted um, the readers to be able to walk away with because it's a children's book. And so the illustrations are equally important, if not more important, um, because visual text and, um, colors and emotion and all of that, um, are a layer of children's writing. And so, um, after that, we kind of, you know, did a storyboard and, um, you know, that's how we did it.
0: Absolutely. And I'm I'm super excited for book number two. I'm just like, Yay. <laughs> I almost jumped out of my chair just now. <laughs> so that is awesome. Cool, cool. Fantastic. Anyone yeah. else want to chime in with theirs?
5: Just um, real quick, I talked a little bit about it with the last question that um from from the YouTube live, but uh one of the things that really helped me was to to plan out like it's like I had a couple hours every day and I wrote every day. Uh, and one of the things that I learned, um, I learned from an interview with Ernest Hemingway actually of all random places, but I was reading this interview and he talks about how, how to avoid writer's block. So when you're writing a long piece, you wanna, you wanna be able to, to write every day. Uh, and so one of the things I did was I didn't finish anything. When I was done for the night, I left a few paragraphs that I still wanted to say like i knew i knew what i wanted to say i knew i wanted to go with these paragraphs this section this whatever and if i started the day with that one i was excited to get started writing so i would be ready to write again but also i had something to start with so i'd never go to the page and have to come up with a fresh new idea to start the day so like i always had in my mind what was going to come the next day when i got started so that got me started with you know a page or two's worth of writing and that really um, propelled me into writing for the rest of that time period. So if it was two hours, of, two hours at night or three hours a night, um, that would be the time and it would get started each day.
0: I, I heard that saying one time, uh, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> so definitely, that uh, that definitely reminds me of that. It was
1: hard. Um, I The only reason I accepted this challenge was because I believe so much in and in um, the idea of getting our kids working and using their creativity and all the things that go along with the maker um, idea. And it's some I mean, those things are what teachers do in their classroom anyway, I'm looking at trying to. um, Hmm. I guess bring in the growth mindset and the maker mindset into all classrooms and all admin and 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 um, get away from people thinking that we're just doing crafts in the in the classroom. Um, It was hard for me and um, I agree with the managing part that was that wasn't that wasn't difficult the difficulty for me was just to get started and get flowing. And once I did, it, it it started to come. And once I asked for a little bit of help, thank you very much, Sarah, because um, uh, I knew things needed to be moved around to make it, to make it work better than um, my original thoughts. So um, yeah, I, I have my fingers crossed. Not a lot of confidence, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm there. Thank you, Sarah, for, for pushing me.
0: Oh, it has truly been a pleasure and an honor. So yeah. And you're not giving yourself enough credit at all, at all. So (laughs) awesomeness. And I saw that, um, Peggy also shared some great, great tips. Um, she said that she found she had to get something down to get started. Um, and then she could go back and add to it. So I love that. And I saw also Mandy chimed in about relying heavily on the blog post and, um, and Marvia was also um, was also chiming in as well about uh, thinking about what you want the reader to walk away with after reading your book, how that's a great idea. So somebody had mentioned that on panel earlier. So wonderful.
5: You
1: are listening to Edumatch. Edumatch. It's EduMatch.
5: The teacher's journey takes a deeper look at how we grow, learn, and succeed in the world of education. Throughout the book, you'll follow the journey of seven incredible educators that share their trials and triumphs as they walk along their own journey. The Teacher's Journey will challenge you to reflect on who you are and why you are in education while providing personal examples and practical tools to you right now. Pairing with the book is the Teacher's Journey podcast. There you can hear great educators as they reflect upon their journey and share the lessons they have learned along the way. You can find more information about the book, the podcast and lots more by visiting costellacorner.com where you can also sign up for exclusive access to information graphics and educational training resources
4: now back to more learning on the edge of match podcast
0: the next question for the panel we're going to do this popcorn style as well um, how do you find time to write? And I know that some of you already talked about that. um, so if any thoughts um in terms of uh, adding anything about how you might find time to write?
6: The weekends are big for me because during the week, I'm whooped. <laughs> I come home and uh and uh, over the summer, I was able to obviously write more, but uh, we're back. I've been back in school for two weeks now or a week and a half, so. Um, the weekends are when I carve out several hours uh, on Saturday and Sunday afternoon to try to get that done. Um, and then, kind of piggybacking on the previous question, having it mapped out. And Brian, what you had said, I do a very much the same type of thing. Whereas I won't, I won't finish something. I kind of, I've mapped out what the content that I want to have in each chapter, and a lot of times I'll let it percolate in my mind. Kind of visual. How can I make this sound? And then, like you said, it's hard to come and start on a blank piece of paper or a blank computer screen. So when you already know in your mind what you want it to sound like, that's um, that's very very helpful. But I try to carve out the time and actually schedule it to try to get it on there because other things are going to creep in. And if you don't, just like everything else, it's probably not going to happen if you don't schedule it.
0: That's a great point about scheduling Uh, one tip that I took from a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Nicole Howard, she was saying using calendar invites like scheduling Google Calendar time with yourself, (laughs) like inviting yourself to uh, to go right if you if you use uh, Google Calendar or anything similar to that.
2: Well, from a practical standpoint, I will I have a very long commute. And so I will sometimes leave myself uh, voice boxes of things that I want to write and then go back and transcribe them. I do that a lot for even my blog posts as well. Um, you know, from that standpoint, from the other standpoint, from kind of the just emotional standpoint, I, I have four kids, I present, I have a day job, I write books, like I, everybody has all these things to do. Nobody has extra time on their hands. So if you really want to do this, you will make time. We make time for the things that are important to us, right? So um, nobody has any more time than anyone else. And uh, what I try not to do is use um, the words, I'm busy. Uh, because even though sometimes it comes out when I'm really, really stressed and all those kinds of things, I think it doesn't really do any good to talk about how busy you are. It's it's more productive to take that time and actually do some of the things that you want to do. So um, that's one belief that I I try really hard to, to stand behind um, and and so I, I do believe that if you really want it, you will make time for it.
5: One of the things I will recommend is, uh, you know, I've got two little kids, I've got, uh, you know, all the stuff that you said, you, you gotta make time for things you that are important to you, um, but I won't take time away from them. Um, I mean, right now I'm kind of hanging out with one of them right now as we talk, but um, you know, when I, when I, for my writing, like as soon as my kids go to bed, uh, you know that's my time, and I get to. so they're in bed by you know eight o'clock and I want to be in bed by eleven because me a half hour to just hang out and chill and then two hours to write and then a half hour to get ready for bed. and every and, and getting the writing done is a matter of consistency. So the more you write, the more right. The more you write, the more you write and the better you write. So it's a matter of you know consistency, doing it every time, doing it every night, uh, and being really uh, you know, really focused on, making time to write on a regular basis because the more frequently you write the better you're going to do
0: and also some great tips being shared on youtube live so uh let me see here scrolling up and i'm seeing that uh that peggy was agreeing that it's hard to have energy to write after a long day um but that you know that that with these awesome tips that y'all shared, you know, we can all get it done. So Marvia was saying lunch hour late at night. And sometimes when she walks, because she also uses speak text to her phone and she likes Brian's idea of an outline, um, taking notes on her phone. And, uh, Peggy also does love to speak text and, uh, Marvia says, get her done. I love it. <laughs> and Rochelle was saying that she does 80% of her writing by voice to text. So, yes, fantastic. And uh, technology really has changed our world, Peggy. You are so, so correct. Um, And Marvia also agreed with what Brian said about creativity, beginning creativity. So awesomeness. You are listening to EduMatch.
2: Hello, my name is Mandy Freelich and my book The Fire Within is currently available on Amazon. The Fire Within is a book of uh, stories by educators who have gone through personal and professional adversities and who have come through stronger on the other side. They use their superpowers that they gained with their students in order to be better educators. If this sounds like stories of superheroes, you are absolutely right. There's also a chapter on trauma and how it affects the brain and a chapter covering post-traumatic growth and secondary traumatic stress and how it affects educators in their job. So if you are interested in The Fire Within, you can find it right now on Amazon by searching The Fire Within, lessons from defeat that have ignited a passion for learning. Thank you!
4: Now back to more learning on the Edge of Match podcast.
0: Cool. So we're going to wrap it up with our grand finale. Question number six. What tips would you all have to offer for other aspiring writers?
3: I will kind of combine five and six only because I find that a lot of times my greatest like insights or moments where I have this great thought that comes to mind. I'm not sitting in front of my computer. A lot of times I'm standing in my classroom and I'm talking to my students and this thought will come out in class, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, and sometimes I have not had the opportunity to capture it because I was in that particular moment, and I didn't have a way to do it, and it left my mind. So everybody was talking about the speech-to-text or even having something on me at all times where I could jot that thought down uh, or, or speak it somehow and, and then go back to it, it has been very, very helpful, helpful for me because I swear it's always the good, it's always the good, the good stuff, the real good stuff always comes when you're not sitting like this in front of a computer where you can easily type it down. Um, and I would certainly also say that, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of, um, of, of sort of sitting down and getting started, uh, with the writing. I know that's always a big thing. Like I can't do this. I can't write. I can't do this, whatever. But I believe that, um, that, that limitation is is gone when you actually sit down and start. The starting is really the hardest, but once you start, I believe that um, moving forward will be much easier for you to you to continue uh, to be able to speak what's 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 in you. I mean, it's coming from the heart anyway.
5: Just do it. Be like Nike, right? <laughs> Great. I'll throw one more out there, and then I gotta I gotta duck out because it's time to put the little guy to bed. Uh, <laughs> but um. One of the things people would say is that I don't know if there's, I don't know if anything is worth sharing. I don't know anything worth saying. Uh, one of the things I would say to you is that your, your voice may say in a way that connects with people differently. So even if someone said it before, even if it's not, um, you know, even if you think, well, maybe it's not important for me to say it because someone else will, uh, the way that you share it, the way that your voice puts it in into perspective uh, can make all the difference for certain people. So, Um, you know, maybe your voice isn't for everybody, but if it hits the right people, then it's worth sharing. And if you wanna share it, then don't be afraid that, you know, it's not gonna fit for people or people aren't gonna understand or or like what you have to say. There are gonna be people out there who receive the message because of the way that you said it. And I think that's really important for people to know.
0: Absolutely. Great words, great message. And thank you so much for joining us, Brian. I know you have to go, so have a good night and good night to your little guy as well. (laughs)
2: I have kind of two comments. The first is, um, one of the things that really helps me to write actually is to have discussions with my network. Um, because sometimes those discussions, even if they're, even if they're not exactly about the certain topic or something like that, but having those, um, conversations sparks ideas in me fairly often. Uh, so I have a couple, um, people that I talk to on a regular basis uh, that I'm able to bounce ideas off from Sarah being one. Um, she puts up with my extremely long boxes quite often. And um, and I have a, a group 53s that we, we box on a regular basis as well. And that really helps spark ideas in me. Um, the other piece of advice that I would give is that there are going to be naysayers with every project you take on. Um, I had a huge portion of my friends um, who recommended I did not write The Fire Within um, because it was um, getting to those mental health issues and very personal issues of people, and they didn't know if people would want to um, participate in something like that. And, um, and I did it anyway. (laughs) Um, And honestly, some of the best projects I've been a part of have been something that wasn't necessarily supported, and I did it anyway. So um, I think that it's really important to make sure that you have faith in yourself, and in your ideas, and um, that you you know, that you put them out there because, uh, like Brian said, there is somebody who needs to hear it the way you say it.
0: That is so true. And you're getting a lot of love on that comment on the YouTube live. So yes, it's very reminiscent of left eye, you know, at the end of waterfalls, believing yourself, the rest is up to me and you. So (laughs) love it. Love it. Love it. Anyone else have uh, some tips that they would like to throw out? All right, Brent, go ahead. Yeah,
6: I just gotta, I just gotta piggyback on what Mandy, you just said. And what Brian said before, it's like, if somebody's telling you not to that's like the reason to do it because if they if, if somebody doesn't want to read that book they won't read that book they won't they won't pick it up off the shelf they won't buy it they won't they won't click the checkout on amazon but there is somebody i mean something that i write there's over seven billion people in the world and right now somebody is at their computer searching for what we have and it's like if you stop and let that sink in for a little bit. We have something that people need, not want. Need and Mandy, what you've written is—I think I shared in a box. It's like people need to hear that. Not everybody want, it, so so they don't buy it. But it shouldn't stop you from doing that. And so once again, I just want to thank you for writing that because I think that's that's a need that there's a lot of people that need to hear that. And Dean sharing your story is part of that because that's a great book. I mean, the stories in there are are fantastic. And for me, mapping it out. It would be my my tip in terms of what I would say for anyone wanting to get started is I spent a lot of time percolating the ideas, but pre-writing, getting it down in terms of like, here's what I want in this. Cha- here's what I, first of all, how I want to break the book up into, and then here's what I want in each chapter. And that makes it so much easier when I go to write the chapter on the power of whatever it is. I already know what it's gonna be in there. And then I can just kind of format it the way I want it to be. Cause just once again, blank piece of paper. Well, what do I write about now? Spent, we do that with students, don't we? Pre-writing, we spend all that extra time teaching them how to pre-write. We got to kind of model the same thing cause it makes it a whole lot easier.
0: Well, definitely wanted to thank all of you for just your amazing work. Um, Continued, uh, it's my continued pleasure and honor and privilege to be able to work with each of you on your, uh, on your individual and collective, uh, tasks <laughs> or projects, I should say. So, um, so awesome work and, uh, looking forward to, uh, to everyone's, um, you know, everyone's projects being released and, uh, just getting it out there. I'm, you know, previewing it. I have a preview, a, a bird's eye view of, of everything that's going on. And I'm just like, Ooh, this is fire. So <laughs> definitely, um, wanted to also thank everyone on the YouTube live. Um, great, great comments, great conversations. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, so we're going to make this a podcast. We'll put it out on Facebook, Um, hopefully over the course of the next week, or maybe we might spread it out a little bit because we will be taking a break shortly. So our next episode, we're actually going to have a special episode with, uh, Kevin, who is a president of K 12 Inc. So that's going to be Tuesday, 5 30 PM Eastern. And, um, after that, we are taking a nice long break. Um, so the following weekend is labor day weekend. The next weekend is my birthday. Woo woo, turn up. <laughs> so uh, th- we will be back on September 16th with um, with Matthew Farber talking about game based learning. So anyone who is interested in the topic, please sign up to be a panelist. Podcast with org forward slash sign up. All right. So everyone, thank you again and have a wonderful, wonderful uh, week. Edge match. It's edge match. Edge match, it's edge match. You're at edge match, edge match. Don't miss edge match. Don't miss edge.